You're listening to a medical miscellany, a curious casebook of brilliant discoveries, scientific advances, bizarre cures, and some downright quackery. Dr. Peter Kay and Sean Aita. Episode 3, Resurrectionists, Anatomy, and the Body. Okay, Pete, in the last episode, we briefly touched on the idea of the barber surgeon and the kind of amateur um, approach to surgery that happened uh, in the early part of our medical history. Um, so tell me, what, what's intriguing me really is how anybody ever knew what was going on inside the body. So what, what did surgeons do? How did they find out? Yeah, and it's a particularly interesting question when it wasn't allowed to dissect human bodies. It was perhaps absolutely forbidden yeah. for, for hundreds of years, forbidden by the Catholic Church for one thing. Um, there was one little exception, which is in about 250 BC in Alexandria. Right. There were two, and it, this sounds like an island of knowledge, because people did, were, dissection was forbidden before this and after this. But for their generation, for some reason, it was allowed. Perhaps they were particularly curious um, citizens of that uh, era yeah. but they allowed these two doctors to dissect and they discovered quite a lot but not only that but they sadly and cruelly dissected living human beings no. yeah so and they would take pe- prisoners and people and actually dissect them while they were still alive oh my god yeah which is pretty awful but that's, that's very well documented that's what happened wow. they did of course make a lot of very interesting discoveries two brilliant minds and they, they discovered all sorts of things about the body that were still, you know, still very valuable to know. Yeah. Um, and but of course, many things they didn't discover. But after that, again, it, it was forbidden again. After that sort of, I'm not surprised. Year window <laughs> They've been in cu- Alexandria, cutting people alive it, it, open. Exactly. <laughs> it was forbidden for hundreds of years. Well, after let's that. not do that for a while. <laughs> Yeah. This might hurt. Yeah, exactly. I, I suppose there's an element around the desecration of the body, isn't there? The idea somehow that you're desecrating the body after it's died, and you know that that if you do have religious beliefs or whatever, you yes. think that yes. well, somehow that, that brings us through to the Murder Act, because okay, what's that? Because once doctors were allowed to dissect bodies, they're of course in short supply. You know, where yeah. do you get them from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, there was a thing called body snatching, or the resurrection men. They would go around robbing graves and things, which is a very horrible, dirty thing to do, um, and then selling the bodies to doctor anatomists and right. surgeons to, 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 ex- to uh, ex- expand their knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, so in, I think it's about 1750, they passed a thing called the Murder Act to supply more bodies okay. to doctors because there weren't enough. So anybody yeah. who's hung for murder, not only are they punished by hanging, but then their body is punished as well by being dissected by the anatomists. I see. So if you were hung for murder, your body then, by law, could go to the anatomists. And there were about 80 a year, but that wasn't nearly enough for all the the surgeons and anatomists. They still still stole bodies, and in all sorts of different ways. Yeah. um, Or or, or hired people to to, to steal them for them, or dig them up for them. Uh, But after that murder, there was at least a, 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 a small supply uh, so, of legal bodies, but plenty of people were plenty of anatomists were still, yeah. uh, you know, people were queuing up saying, "I need more bodies, I need more bodies." Could you be arrested for digging up a body then and uh, and That's an selling it to an anatomist? Question. Yeah, you. Funnily enough, it wasn't illegal, right, um, to dig up the body. What was illegal to, was to steal anything like grave clothes from within the within the burial. So okay. if you were caught, you would be reprimanded, but you wouldn't, there wouldn't be a, a big punishment for you. 
um, if you were caught digging up a body, unless something had been, you could, they could prove that something had been stolen from the grave. So would you strip the body the minute you got it out of the grave then, and you know, any jewellery that was on it, put it back put in? Put it back in, yeah. In the you, coffin. I'd be very careful not to take anything else other than the body. Wow. Wow. And um, aside from just literally digging up bodies of people that had died, did anybody dig, you know, go further than that? And uh, There was a famous case in Edinburgh in the early 1800s called the Birken Hare story of two Irishmen. One, one had a, a rent, rented rooms in, in Edinburgh. And one day, I think one of his tenants didn't died without paying his rent. And he was earning <laughs> four pounds rent. <laughs> And he thought, well, wait a minute, I could sell this body, his body, to an anatomist and, and make some money. So there was a very famous anatomist in Edinburgh at that time called Robert Knox. And well, I've heard so, of him, yeah. So he approached him and um, sold him the body. He got £10 for it, thought, oh, I made a profit. So that, that started him thinking. Um, so uh, then he thought, well, I don't really have to wait for these lodgers these, uh, <laughs> to die. I can actually just sort of kill them. Knock them off. <laughs> so he started knocking a few off. And selling them, selling their bodies. Um, usually, people obviously didn't have any sort of family or relatives. Um, and then they took it a stage further because he, he he started working with Hare, William. But sorry, he was called William Hare. The William Burke was one of his tenants. But they together started doing it together. And they, what they started doing was basically luring people off the street, yeah. often tramps and people. And then what was what became known as burking them which was to basically stop them breathing, hold their nose and stop their mouth so they couldn't breathe. They would die of suffocation. But that would leave no marks on the body, which oh, the anatomists rather liked. Of you course. You haven't gone under a cart with a mangled body. You, you've, got a, you've got a perfect body um, to dissect. And, and did Knox know what was happening? Did he, you know, oh, look, these chaps just happened to bring yeah. me a body a week. Yeah, exactly. What a coincidence. What a they coincidence. all just happened to die in their lodging house. Ask no questions and you're told no lies. Yeah. My guess is he just took took the body and said, thank you very much, paid yeah. his £10. Yeah. They were happy, he was happy, Absolutely. no questions asked. Yeah. But of course, when they, they six, after 16 murders, they were caught because um, a, a girl they lured off the street had a family and they, uh, they, tra they trapped okay. them down. Yeah. And then Hare turned... King's Evidence, as it was called. So Burke got the blame. He escaped by telling telling what it was Burke. Burke was hung, and his body went for dissection. It didn't. Yeah, 40,000 people at his hanging. That's a great story. But then his body went for dissection, yeah. In, in, um, but poor old Knox got, was, was disgraced after that and lost his lost his livelihood. He surprised. went to London and lived yeah. in a, a different sort of... Uh, in fact, I think, he, I think he wrote a very... A book on fishing in Scotland. Oh yeah, you become a very lonely old man. <laughs> in your um, medical miscellany notes, uh, you mentioned this woman called Anne Green who was hung for murder. Tell me a little bit more about her because that's a great story. <laughs> it's a great. Yeah, I think I think about halfway through the seventeenth century, wasn't it? 16th Something like that. Yeah, sixteen fourteen. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an extraordinary story. This because she was. Um, I think she was hung for um, murdering her stillborn child. I think. All oh, right. Because in those days, you know, if the child was stillborn, that's one thing. But if she, she was accused of murdering the child, yeah. as, as saying it's been stillborn, yeah, but yeah, murdering yeah. it because she couldn't wasn't because she couldn't look it. after it. And yeah. she was a, I think she was a, a servant girl, and had been raped by one oh. of the owners of the of, no, the, no, no. of the mansion or wherever she worked. She was okay. com common enough. Yeah, got pregnant and then uh, tried to get get rid of the baby and was 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 then found guilty of murdering her child, oh. and was hung. And uh, hung for murder, which is pretty unusual for a young woman, I think, even then, to be hung like that. But what used to happen was they didn't actually have a trap door in those days. They used to just okay. lift the body up on a rope 
and then wait for them to suffocate, which was a pretty horrible way of dying. So it, it sounds cruel, but it was a kindness when friends and relatives used to rush up once the body was up there and hang on their legs to, to speed up the, the death so that it didn't have to hang for an hour yeah, yeah, so yeah, waiting yeah. to choke to death. They yeah. would get, get, die more quickly, which is kind of mercy, really. Yes, absolutely. So this happened with this young girl. All her friends and family hung on her legs, and she was then had taken off, and her body was taken to, as you might guess, anatomists for dissection. Yeah. Um, and one was called Willis, I think. Can't remember the names. Yeah, Willis and Petty. Willis and Petty. Was, yeah. So anyway, they, they got the shock of their lives because they were about to they were about to start dissecting her, and she came back to life. <laughs> took a big breath. Hello, here I Hello. am. <laughs> so um, that was utterly amazing. So then they started thinking, well, we better try and save her life. So they did all yeah. sorts of ridiculous things to yeah, her, yeah. Poor, poor, poor woman, to try and save her life, including sort of enemas of hot water <laughs> and ligatures here, there, everywhere, and all sorts Bleeding. of stuff, right. stuff, stuff down her, her mouth. Anyway, she managed to survive not only the treatment they were <laughs> but also the hanging. And she went on to have a family and raise children. Yeah, that is amazing. Survive. Yeah. That's incredible, isn't it? Well, she, she is clearly uh, a very lucky woman. <laughs> meant to survive. Yeah, she was meant to survive. There was no way that she was going down. Um, it's funny, actually, uh, talking about this um, bodies for dissection, because my mother um, donated her body to medical science. And um, I think it's the Bristol Teaching Hospital that she donated it to many, many, many uh, decades ago. And in, my grandmother did as well. And the thing that's bothering me slightly is my mother is 89 now, and we haven't really had the conversation about what happens? How, how do they actually end up picking up the body? I don't really know. And if my mother died tomorrow, um, would I be able to get an undertaker to look after the body until they picked it up? Or what? And, and what happens when they've finished with the dissection? What do they do very, then? Very do they incinerate the body? Does it just, you know, they, yeah. does it just stay in a cupboard for the rest of its life? Yeah. I just, I'm really puzzled. Puzzle, by yeah. Well, that's taking me about. back to my medical school days when you, you know, get a shock and you walk into a great big room that's full of dead bodies. Yeah. First study anatomy. It's, it's quite a shock. It okay. gave me a terrible shock. You suddenly find yourself surrounded by dead bodies on slabs. But the first thing that happened there was that we were given a talk about being respectful to the bodies, how the people who had very kindly donated the bodies for our study and learning. And the bodies were always treated with great respect. And at the end of the dissection of probably a year, all the body parts of that body were kept together and then given a formal uh, burial oh, and service at the okay. end of the time. Oh, that's interesting. That's what happened then, and I think probably happens, still happens now. But it was done with great respect, and um, in terms of how you arrange for your, in your case, your mother's body, I know this is similar to mine, my mother-in-law wanted to give her various parts of her body, to, for her brain, to be donated for science, because she developed Parkinson's, and she yeah, was determined yeah. that something of her body would be useful. Yeah. So she was determined to, to donate her brain, and I and she tasked me making sure it happened. You don't, I don't want to let this slip. I don't yeah. want to go and say, oh, we forgot to do it or something. So I had to make absolutely sure that her brain was uh, was taken for for, um, for research. And it was quite tricky to make sure it happened because, you know, some hospitals are yeah, busy yeah. places. And there is a team that organises this, but if nobody tells them, they can't organise it. Of so course. You've got to flag it up. Yeah, this actually um, just reminds me of a fact. It's nothing to do with medical science really at all. Uh, but the donation of a brain reminded me of a friend of mine who um, he's an actor and he always wanted to work for the Royal Shakespeare Company and never got the chance. So he decided to um, donate his skull 
to the Royal Shakespeare Company to be in Hamlet so that he could actually find himself performing on the stage in Stratford even after he's dead. <laughs> That's an amazing story. <laughs> know, it's a good story, isn't it? That's and uh, Yeah, I don't know if they'd have accepted this skull, but he had all sorts of conditions. An actor to his but, bones, you But he say. actually, also, yes, he was a great admirer of um, young women, uh, well, women, and uh, he, always, he, he requested that uh, his skull be placed in uh, Ophelia's dressing room prior to the show as well so. <laughs> have a little peep yeah exactly yeah. that's a fascinating yes. story yeah so uh, yeah. yes determined to get on the boards one way or another indeed absolutely yeah but it is interesting and do you think um do you think today it's actually still quite difficult to get bodies or do you think they're over overburdened with people donating their bodies this makes me think of the german chap whose name i'm forgetting who's done who's done put on these anatomy shows recently yes um oh i forgot his name as well yeah Uh, Um, come to us but i mean you know he's got a long long list of people queuing up to donate bodies to his organization yes 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 no shortage of bodies including amazingly enough he's dissected a pregnant woman with a baby inside her body worlds worlds, that's what it was called yes body works or body worlds yeah And I saw it back when it first came to London. I was quite shocked in a way. Yeah. But um, it's become gradually more acceptable, and uh, he's done lots of these ex- exhibitions around the world. And there, it's a cross between art and anatomy. Yeah. I, mean, I can think of one thing where, for example, there's a, uh, a skeleton standing up, holding all its skin. That's right. It's all the skin off, holding yeah. it yeah, arm. Yeah, yeah. Weighs quite a bit, the whole skin. Uh, you know, have like you, a cloak. Have you weighed it? Like, <laughs> have you weighed you know it? how heavy your skin is. <laughs> I heard it was quite heavy. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I'm, I'm just worrying that you're a serial killer. <laughs> so, so, yeah, at home, I happen to have a cupboard filled with skin. <laughs> but I remember going to that. I remember being very amazed as well by what he'd done. Was he'd injected uh, blood vessels, uh, capillary, very small blood vessels. Oh yeah. So that then he could take away the rest of everything around it. Oh, and maintain the tree of blood vessels. Yes. Fascinating. That is so fascinating. Detailed. And so beautiful and as so well. Beautiful. Yes, Absolutely yeah. beautiful. So I think thing. what he did was interesting. I don't think I don't think it was a place to learn anatomy in terms of you wanted to learn how to be a doctor or right. a surgeon. Yeah. It was just a place to marvel at the wonders of the human body. Really. Yeah. And in fact, there was there were a few bodies with um, you know very distinguishable marks like tattoos, etc. So you would mm. kind of know that that was your cousin or your yeah. uncle or whatever yeah. very very clearly and easily mm. wouldn't you which would be somewhat disturbing i would have thought mm. yeah. yeah well i suppose it, it does it goes back to our question right at the very beginning of really what remains of you when the body you know, when life has has left the body mm. uh, and it's interesting that the idea that um, all those doctors should be treating it with respect etc that that should matter you know mm. because mm. Yeah. Well, as we know, it matters to the family, doesn't it? Well, of course it does. You know, yeah. there's been recently these cases where doctors, in in even in my day, I remember the pathologist um, whose name I can remember but won't say. Yeah. Um, he used to tell us quite sort of boldly. He used to say, "I've just cycled across London with a baby's um, head in my uh, oh, saddlebag." Oh dear God! Yeah. Because he was investigating that, and he thought yeah. that was okay. Yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. not okay. No, no, and no. And families were very, very stressed when they, when they discovered these things were happening. Of course, and there was that um, awful um, situation. Was it all the Hay Hospital yes, or somewhere yes. that all of these parts yes. had not yes, been yes, disposed exactly. of properly, or not, you know. been, not been just done respectfully? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although you, you say it may not matter to the body, but it certainly still matters to the families. Absolutely, big time, and so that's yeah. why they're treated with great respect. Oh, that was. Great, thank you, Pete. We've had our fifteen minutes. We're at Can't the end of episode three. Fly by. I know they do. When you're having fun. Yeah, <laughs> and we'll be back again in our next podcast. We experience pain and alleviate it with the placebo effect.